Ah, yes, it feels like deja vu. Maybe it is. Welcome into a Friday edition of your favorite fellas that kicks off right now. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a U.S. With Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Move it on. You love 30 You better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Best of sports. We start Mark. Yeah. And yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You say classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know. I said, I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. I know. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Ready for joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. From the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. As the man says, welcome into the Trojansports.com podcast, Friday, June 24th, 2016. I am Chris Morales, live poolside in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, the vacation outpost. Chris Swanson, publisher of Trojansports.com. He is still in the LBC with fans. What's the temperature over there in the LBC right now? 74. Beautiful. It's, it's pretty nice. It's 105 here. We'll see how it heats up as we continue recording this show. And special guest chair, guest co-host chair from the Dirty South, the one and only Murph Baldwin with us from UGASports.com. He does a lot for us here at Trojansports.com. He's my co-host on the Rivals Extravaganza. Murph, how are you? It. That's what we're calling it, the Rivals yeah. Extravaganza? Exactly. I like that. Ebony and Ivory, Crockett and Tubbs, Black and White. All that Boston stuff. Boston J. Edgar. Yeah, exactly right. Although, don't use the Bosch example. Chris Watson's never seen the TV show Bosch. Man, Chris Watson's never seen anything. Exactly. Before we get started, please tell me you have seen the O.J. Simpson Made in America. This is a Trojansports.com podcast, I know. right? I know. I haven't gone to it yet, but it what? is on my list. What have you been don't, doing? Don't get mad at me. I actually work. There's been rising <laughs> stars camp. Oh God! Yeah. You record multiple podcasts all week long multiple as well. Multiple co- podcasts all week long. Adam just you know he he throws some in the trash and we start over. He still doesn't show up to work, but he'll probably throw this one in the trash too. So because <laughs> you said that, Adam is scheduled to appear with the questions from the message board. Your questions that have been sitting there all week long at TrojanSports.com. And uh, Chris Watson, did you want to go behind the curtain here for a second? Let's go behind the curtain. Uh, we recorded this show on Tuesday. It was posted on Wednesday. It did not get the Adam Maya golden seal of approval. So it was trash. We we're re-recording. Uh, we tried to get Adam Maya on. He's coming on later. So hopefully just, you know, his presence during the questions on the message board will be enough to, you know, really carry this show. Because <laughs> last week, or I guess two days, days ago, ago yes. it was. Yes. Uh, it wasn't good enough. Uh, for those that did hear it, if you did hate that show, I didn't think it was one of our stronger ones. We apologize. That's why we're doing another one. I hope you like this one. But I will say we did get a couple good reviews on the message board. And our intern, Drew, his uncle said it was the funniest show he had heard. So we're going to try to live up to that again. Now, is that Drew fight on? 
That's Drew Fight On. Yes. Beautiful Drew. Well, thank you to you hey, man, and your Drew uncle. Fight on. Hey, I like Drew Fight On, man, but Drew Fight On could be an instigator sometimes. Well, he's our intern now, so hopefully he stops that, right? Oh, dear Drew, finally, stop, stop juicing me up to get in trouble, man. <laughs> you always get me in trouble. Speaking of juice, uh, I am drinking, I am OJ, by the way. I am drinking Ooh. just straight iced tea right now. When we did the first show, I was on a Budweiser trip, so maybe that'll affect oh, things. Chris Morales. Yes. Don't do, just make sure to Uh-oh. enunciate. <laughs> I'm just going to say erase that. Uh, Adam, well, no, I was openly saying I was me, drinking Adam. Budweiser. Adam, sir, it this is a me. podcast. We don't have any FCC regulations, only rivals regulations. And I think as you long know, as Adam, we don't insult Adam Mike Farrell, we're okay. Well, Murph Adam Baldwin and I were perfectly <laughs> sober. And, and you uh, still insulted everybody. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'm going to try to tone that down, too, and I'm going to try to enunciate, speak clearly. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good show. I am smoking it. a cigar right now, drinking an iced tea, and you can see the picture of the setup here in the poolside. Uh, at CMM Spectrum on Twitter. Oh, right, we get into. Oh, I had nothing to do with that. What now? I just want Adam to know I had nothing to do with what you just said. The cigar. It's not, it's not me, Adam. Exactly. It wasn't me, as somebody once said. Uh, before we get into USC fun and frivolity, how about a big announcement coming, Chris Swanson? Yeah, potential big announcement. Oh, okay. I can't. Well, I can't say anything yet. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this much, actually, because it's still in the works. Nothing's go, you know, been set yet, really. But um, yeah, it could be a potentially massive announcement. I want to call it one of the biggest announcements ever. That's what I'm working on for you guys for the site. One of the biggest announcements in USC website history. I guess I, I can say, as Not Yogi Roth would say. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Let me know. So, oh, yeah. Get, get ready. Um, I'm hoping that I wrap this up in, uh, you know, next couple weeks. I'll let you guys know. And if it falls apart, I'll let you guys know it fell apart. But I'm really hoping that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop out there on Twitter with a huge announcement, post on the message board. Everybody's going to go crazy. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. So wait and see. We'll see what happens. As R. Kelly once said, my mind's telling me no, but my body my body's telling me yes. And that's why we got to start on the DL as we get into USC fun and frivolity. Frivolity, excuse me. It's just I see. I promise, Adam. You guys know I'm all about the DL. And USC went DL. Are. What now? I bet you are. Yeah, exactly right. You know what the DL is around here, right? Uh, in the dirty south? Yeah, over here in Atlanta, the DL's got a whole nother connotation. That we'll save that for our show. We don't want to. Oh. We don't want to. We don't want to stain the utrojansports.com podcast. Yeah, I'm not yeah. touching that. I'm not touching that one. You can always get to Murph and I show, by the way, by going to podcastarena.com/rivals. Meanwhile, USC went DL on us this past week. Former Utah Ute D lineman. Are you ready for me to try to do this, Stevie Tukavavatu? I think I did it better the first time. Uh, he is transferring to USC. Swanalicious, as we call you. What does this mean for the Trojans? I think it's huge. Um, I do. I know he wasn't, you know, that full-time starter, you know, big-time, huge-name defensive lineman, but the guy made some plays. He had a big role at Utah. USC needs a lot of help on the defensive line. There's no question about that. It's It's been widely, you know, reported by us and I think by, you know, anybody that pays attention to USC that that's, that's their weak point this year. This guy can come in and start for USC. He could play a big role. He's one of those bigger guys, one of those nose tackle types. I think USC needed that. We had talked about that a little bit before, Murph, um, off this podcast. Yes, we sure you know, did. Before. But, um, 
But I think this is a huge deal. This is the kind of thing that I think could make USC's season a little bit brighter. I talked earlier about how I thought it was kind of a rebuilding year, six, seven, eight wins. I'm thinking seven, eight, nine now. I, it's a tough schedule, but you know that having some more depth on the defensive line. There's a JUCO guy coming in too uh, that they that they signed in this last class. It, it could be a big deal, I think, uh, for USC. Joshua too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that this transfer specifically um, is huge for them, and it makes me feel a little bit better about their chances this season. Uh, I know we're going to get into this in in depth on the I see the rundown there of the questions from the message board. So I don't know if you guys want to move on from this and we'll re re get it. Yeah, yeah we'll get it again because Adam's going to join us too. But uh, yeah, I guess again, I just thought it was important enough to mention uh, during this segment. Oh, right, we'll so get at it on the message board in just a moment. But Swanee, let's talk about another football edition. The big headline this past week in recruiting besides the Rising Stars camp is the 2017 DB, C.J. Miller, committed to USC. He's from Georgia, Murph Baldwin's backyard, mm-hmm. back east in the Peach State, but Rivals has him rated as a two-star. Uh-oh. Uh, I know you love the Rivals ratings, Mr. Swanson, but the USC coaches saw him in camp twice in Georgia. That must mean that they might know something about football, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh- Always trust the coaches. That's what I say. Um, you know, they're they're Division One college coaches for a reason. They saw this kid. They thought that he, you know, has the potential to be something special. And they offered him, and he committed. Um, he apparently has elite speed. They saw him camp twice, and both times he run he ran really impressive forties. Uh, he did it again at USC's Rising Stars camp this week. He's a for real athlete. Um, I don't believe he was a full-time starter at his school, uh, which is a big-time football school actually out in uh, Powder Springs, Georgia. Uh, So that might not be a huge deal. you got to be careful with some of these out-of-state offers because USC might just see him as a guy that they're projecting to be, you know, huge. And if he doesn't end up that way, they might lose contact with him and just, you know, kind of let him go. But C.J. Miller could be a big-time guy. They're getting on him early, I feel like. I think it's smart. I think USC's being aggressive. Now they're being really aggressive trying to get on guys as early as possible and get ahead of some of these SEC schools in the South. And uh, I think it's kind of giving him a leg up. Uh, I, th- I expect some of these other schools to jump in for him. He's talked about how he's talking to you know around 50 schools, ACC, SEC schools. And uh, you know, it might turn out that USC looks really smart at the end of the day. And if not, if he doesn't blow up, they could just lose contact with him. So I think it's kind of a win-win for USC. Yeah, I saw C.J. Miller play at McEachern uh, in a in the playoffs. He's definitely wasn't a full time starter. However, he's got some big time talent. Sometimes I believe it's all about the offers. When I look at these stars, um, I don't know if people want to admit it or not. However, but I believe that once a school like USC offers you and you commit there, I believe your profile will go up. I think he's a a nice fit for um, SC back in the on the back end there. I think he's a lot more physical than he's probably getting credit for. Uh, he'll continue to fill out those frames. I believe he's like six foot one, 185 pounds. Um, you know, USC's running that duality. You got those dual roles back there at safety. So you can see him down in a box sometimes. You can see him in a slot sometimes. You can see him in a single high. I think he can do it all. So we'll see. I'm always afraid for those cross, cross country offers because you just never know about these kids. Yeah, guys, guys get offered early by schools across the country because, 
you can lose contact with them if they don't reach their potential and you need to get in early to get them interested most times if the hometown school does come through with a scholarship offer. So you see that happen. Uh, you see California kids get offered by SEC schools and stuff too. It goes both ways. Um, I agree with you too about the rankings being about offers. Um, I think that rankings are usually just something that kind of solidifies that the kid is good. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And if a kid's a two-star, doesn't necessarily mean he's bad. Uh, if a USC offers a kid, if you know all these SEC schools offer a kid, whatever, he's probably a pretty good football player. And that's what I look at before I look at a ranking. So I totally agree with you there, Murph. Hey, I tell you what, man. The people on the message board don't think that way. I don't know how it is at Trojan Sports, but at UGAsports.com and some of the other sites that I work at, uh, they take those stars as gold. And I'm always telling them, like, man, you got to trust – these the staff the staff does its own recruiting they have their own uh big board and everything like that and these guys have played football uh these guys have been in the business seen all kind of kids and um i trust that the usc staff understands what they're seeing and they understand their own scheme and they believe that cj miller fits that scheme yeah i'm totally with you um usc's board is mixed you see guys that panic about rankings about low rankings and then you see people that it kind of feel you know like the rivals rankings are biased towards the west coast a bit i know that doesn't really apply with cj miller because he is out in georgia but you see kind of a mixed reaction to that i think everybody knows though with miller it's a wait and see thing to see if he does project and end up being you know that that high level football player that matches his athletic ability so we'll see man we see all kind of stuff on trojansports.com man oh yeah Whoa. <laughs> Different stuff, right, than you're usually used to, right, Murph? Oh, man, I'm talking about some of the posters on that bad boy. It's a, definitely a lively board, and it's very spirited, I'll tell you that. Um, I enjoy definitely uh, interacting with the guys on the message board, but it can get a little out of hand sometimes, you know what I mean? And Chris has to reel me in. Swanee, that is. Yes, well, you can get just about anything on the Trojansports.com message boards. If you want yeah, a donkey, know, you want uh, a girlfriend, you want a boyfriend, <laughs> Uh-oh. you want a kitten, you can get anything. I- you can either you, you could even get rising stars on the message board. And you know, Chris Swanson, when I think of under-the-radar stars and rising stars, I think of USC's Rising Stars Camp. Look at that. Perfect. That's where we see offers coming out like razor-bladed Halloween candy at the Morales residence. You know, I use razor blades for other things, like cutting stuff up, not, uh, not candy. Anyway, it was, the, <laughs> it was this week, the Rising Stars Camp, Swan Dong, which is what you've asked me to call you now. On Fridays only, what happened at the Rising Stars camp? <laughs> it kind of rhymes. It kind of rhymes. Uh, you know, it was an interesting camp, i got to say. Um, it was different than it's been in years past. We're going to get into that. Uh, it still accomplished, I think, everything that USC's coaches wanted it to accomplish. Uh, I think they, they pulled off a, a big deal camp where they got a lot of big-time prospects to visit campus. Um, you know, especially linemen from back east. You know, we're talking Elijah Conliffe, Jonathan Ford, Jordan Wright, Navon Donaldson, Alex Leatherwood, just some big-time dudes Ooh. that all came out, uh, you know, to, to see the campus and, and to check out USC, talk with the coaches. To me, that's huge. USC pulled it out, that off. Um, it basically, it's like, in another, it's like another official visit type situation in some ways, and I think that's huge. There's tons of updates on USC, or, uh, USC.rivals.com, Trojansports.com right now. Um, yeah, it was a little bit different though than in years past, and, and this is, it kind of disappointed me in a way. And, and this is just me, you know, being nostalgic. I guess um, it seems now that because USC 
is prone to offer younger kids at these camps that come in earlier and impress. I'm talking about their skills camp, their lineman camp, you know, the other camps that they hold before rising stars and that they're willing to go to satellite camps all across the country in Texas, Georgia, Florida, you know, all over the place. It seems like it's less of a, a draw for big time kids to come get the offer. Um, you know, in years past, because USC was so stingy with the scholarship offers approach recruiting differently, they were less aggressive with uh, offering talented guys from out of state. You would see, you know, that number one guy in Florida wouldn't have a scholarship offer from USC and he's shown up to compete and to get it. Uh, nowadays, you kind of see guys on the sidelines conversing with the coaches. It's more of like, you know, a social interaction type thing than, you know, the best of the best competing for that offer. I sort of miss that. I hope it'll get back to that uh, just, you know, so I can cover it. But it was still a big time event with plenty, plenty of big names. Uh, a lot of guys that I think USC is going to get a lot of local guys showed up. Like Terrence Lang, too, is there, a big-time guy. So, yeah, uh, I think A-plus a for USC in terms of the way they're able to get guys out there. And, you know, they're just some of the reactions I've heard and that we have on Trojan Sports.com right now, it seems like, you know, USC is going gonna, is gonna to get some kind of payoff uh, from this event. Beautiful. Well, actually, the cat that I'm most inter- interested in is Alex Leatherwood, Alabama commit. Um, I saw this cat at the five star challenge here in Atlanta at the dome. And man, this cat is completely psycho. He has like, he's one of those guys, right? When they're going through the one on ones, he's got the same stoic look on his face the whole time, but he's just sitting there like grabbing kids and, and putting them in the dirt like fertilizer. And like, it's just like, man, like this kid is freaking awesome. And like, um, the heck was he doing out there? Is he a real possible? Could he, could he be flipped? Yes, I totally think that. Um, I know that, you know, he's committed to Alabama. He's from Florida. So obviously that's going to be tough for USC. But I actually talked to Alex Leatherwood before he had a scholarship offer from USC and he was committed to Alabama. And he told me that he was highly interested in USC. He considered them the Alabama of the West Coast. He wanted to go check that school out and he hoped they offered him. Uh, You usually don't hear that from a guy that's committed to a program you know, that he's hoping that another school comes and offers him. I think his interest in USC is very real. Uh, I know he was blown away by his visit this week. He was all over social media talking up USC. I'm going to get him uh, and get his reaction, but I'm sure it's going to be highly positive. I think USC could get him. I think they probably need to have a strong season. They probably need to do something to show this coaching staff is going to stick around to get him, but it's definitely possible. He's really interested in USC. There's no question about that. I, I think they could get him. The thing about that is, if they are able to flip him, you talk about some some severely great recruiting because uh, him, Vandarius Cowan, Najee Harris, all these guys, every time they took a rep, they were all yelling out, Roll Tide and Bama Boys <laughs> and all this, and they were doing this throughout the whole time. So that would be a great flip if they can do that. Well, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Um, USC has been known to do that, though. I mean, they had Navon Donaldson. Uh, out here who's a Miami commit. I know they had an, an Auburn defensive line commit. They've been known, you know, to get guys to Man, I'm talking about Alabama, hold. Chris. This is I a big it. difference, baby. Um, I mean, but just look at uh, uh, Jamel Cook in this last class. I mean, he's related to the, the Cooks at Florida State, and he mm-hmm. and he's from Florida. He ended up going to USC. I, I get that there's a difference. I just think that USC 
the combination of Los Angeles, which is somewhere that people, you know, want to live and kind of dream about living all the national titles and, you know, just everything they offer the weather. It just, it makes it possible where normally you'd say that's not possible. I wouldn't think Notre Dame would be able to get him away from Alabama. I wouldn't think Michigan would be able to get him away from Alabama, even though they have the same kinds of football programs that USC does. It's all these other things that, you know, Southern California offers that I think can draw kids there and makes USC dangerous in all these situations. Whenever they have a kid who's committed elsewhere on campus, I think they have a chance. Let me ask you this. Do you think that USC resonates with these kids today? How, cause I'm thinking about the, a kid like Alex Leatherwood, I believe he's like 17. And when USC, when do you say that USC was at, was at its peak? What's the last time? If that 2003 to 2005 run, but they didn't really drop off until 2008 because they still had years where, you know, one loss, two loss, where they actually could have made it to the national title game if, you know, rankings were just different. It, you know, they had the record to do it. So, you know, it's been a while, though. They haven't, you know, won a conference so, title. So, in how eight old? Years. So, how, how old would a, a player like Alex Leatherwood, that's why we need Adam sometimes, how, would. Think about it, man. He'd have been like, what, eight years old? Nine yeah, he would have been old? eight years old the last time they were, you know, arguably the best team in the country. He would have, you know, been, it would have been 2004 when they won that title, you know, the one before they played Texas. And so that's 13 years. No, yeah, 12 years ago. So, yeah, he would have been, what, five? So I get you. Sometimes I talk to these kids and they're like, yeah, I remember watching Reggie Bush. And it's like, dude, you were like three. Like, what are you talking about? You weren't no, watching. No, yeah, exactly. They watch, and, they watch classics, ESPN classics and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm and thinking the, about you would have to have balled out within the last five years or so for this particular class to, under, to understand where you're coming from. And that's Alabama well, I, all the way. No, I LSU, uh, Florida State. I think Florida State's really high on these kids. I think it's time for USC to make that comeback so they can put themselves in that particular well, equation. They're recruiting to compensate for that because, like I mentioned before, they're aggressive now. You see them be aggressive with underclassmen, uh, you know, in their region, out of state. You see them be aggressive with these out-of-state kids. They're offering them, you know, going to see them and offering them instead of relying on them to come out to Rising Stars to compete for the offer. I think that they are trying to get in kids' heads earlier where, yes, under Carroll, he just, you know, he would offer a kid he'd commit. That was pretty much it. They'd offer like 65, 75 kids, you know, a year. And now it's up well over 100. It's different. Um, So, yeah, I think that's fair. I think kids still understand what USC is if they seriously look at USC because, you know, if you do look at USC – Yes, they haven't, you know, arguably been the best team in the country since 2008, but 11 national titles, seven Heisman Trophy winners, you know, they're the only relevant team west of Texas in all reality. I know Oregon's done very well, Stanford's done very well, but, you know, in, in historically, they are the only relevant college football program west of Texas. I think if you look at them, you'll realize what they are. You know, you mentioned LSU. They don't have that history. Florida State doesn't have that history. I get other programs do. USC is being hurt by the fact that they haven't won big recently. You're right on. But it's still USC. So I think they still have a chance. And they've shown that the last few classes, actually, you know, just every class, they're getting kids from out of state anyway. So there you go. I think what to me is it's going to be about having those type of players. You know, to me, you have those generational type of players. I could go on and on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody knows about Reggie Bush, Lindell White, and, and the quarterbacks, Carson and Matt and all those guys. So it's going to be about having those kind of guys now. And do, do you have those generational type players? I, I believe a guy like Biggie Marshall could be that. 
our Ro- Rojo, Rojo. Rojo, <laughs> baby, guys, Rojo. Whatever you guys are calling Chris them Ro- these days. Chris Rouse has you messed with that name up, man. That's funny. <laughs> exactly. So, um, It'll be about that, man. You got to you got to get the quarterbacks in here. You got to get those generational type players, and I think there are a couple of those guys on here. But like you said before, these guys are recruiting at a at a really good level. I feel, and it's going to take sprinkling in guys from all over the country to get it back, just like it was from back in the day. Because my one of my favorite players is Big Mike Williams, and I don't believe he was from California. So it's about going all over the country and, and, and plucking them, just like you were seeing Alabama do right now. Yeah, no, you're totally right. That's Pete Carroll made that his philosophy. Um, you know, everybody talks about putting a fence around California for USC. They do anyway. They usually, you know, they can offer kids late, uh, not offer all the kids in California and still get them, you know, whatever else. It's when they go out of state and pull, you know, the best talent from the South, best talent from Ohio and, you know, all this, all these other places. You're right. That's, that's what makes a difference. They're still doing it. I think they're going to, if they win, they'll do it at a higher level. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're recruiting at a high level right now. That's not the problem. I think, too, you'll see them get more of those generational type players when they get more of these classes of 25 just because, you know, numbers help you. Sometimes that four-star guy is a generational type player, you know, that you wouldn't have taken uh, because you had a class of 15 years ago. I remember that happened to them. You'd see guys in the Pac-12 when they took these classes of 15 that they would have offered, you know, killing it at other schools. So um, things will change for USC, I think, and uh, just because of – how they'll be able to recruit going forward. Well, one more thing before we move on past that. When we're talking about back in the day, to me, it was only USC. And that's the only, like you're saying, west of Texas. Like, there is a real thing, man. UCLA is doing this thing out there. Stanford's producing some of the best players that I've seen. They're playing some of the best football I've seen. They're, st- they're standing out from a, from a schematical standpoint, putting straight-up pro-style systems right there and beating up people doing it. And they're having generational-type players um, it's, it seems like it's going to be a little bit harder. I mean, do do you feel that way? Do you feel like back in the day it could have been a little bit easier with everybody? Like, to me, SC was so good, it made everybody else get on their A game. And right now, a lot of these guys are in their A game, and these guys are really close right in the state. You know what I mean? So how do you feel about that? I agree with you, but I also feel like the Pac-12 is a little bit underrated just historically. Um, not so much in terms of, like, who's won titles, who's, you know, been the Rose Bowl, but – in terms of teams being competitive, because, you know, I mentioned Oregon. Um, Oregon's really good. They've actually been a really good team. You know, they were really good all throughout when Pete Carroll was at USC. He would just beat them when they played, you know, but the Oregon would still go 11-2 and two or whatever. And in the 90s, they were really good. Washington was good uh, in the 90s. It looks like they're getting back there with Chris Peterson. So the, uh, these teams do have pockets where they competed, you know, for something big. And the Pac-12 was competitive before. I just think that when USC has... You know, they're not on sanctions. They have the, the right coach. They kind of just have enough where no matter how good everyone else is, they're just kind of better. I remember, you know, Washington State being a top 10 team and USC got them in the Coliseum and beat them by like 30 something points. They crushed Oregon in 2005 when Oregon, you know, went 11 and 2. They just always seemed like they were a step ahead, even when other teams were good. Um, so I think that they can get back there. That's how it was in the 70s, too, and you know, points in the 80s or whatever else, and historically as well. So I think you're right. The Pac 12 is stronger. I think it might just be because, though, USC isn't where it, it was. I think when they get back there, the Pac-12 will be strong and USC will just be a monster they can't handle anyway. It's funny. You know, I I recorded last week a podcast. I posted up on the board, a special one for Yahoo Sports Radio with Jay Mariotti. And Jay, obviously famed legendary sports writer, 
for many many years with the Chicago um, with the Chicago Sun Star and all that, and uh, Chicago Sun Times, excuse me. And we were talking about OJ, and we were talking about Made in America. And I always say that the 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 comparison, and you guys have heard me say this: if Michael Strahan got into, if we woke up one day and Michael Strahan's ex wife was murdered, would we look towards Strahan as being guilty? It, because that's how unbelievable it was with OJ. And Jay made the point: Michael Strahan is probably one fifth of bit as big as OJ was. I was just about to say that because OJ played at USC in the heyday. Remember, going back. Every game wasn't on television. So USC playing football was so huge. It was, it was bigger than Notre Dame because USC was winning at the time like they were, and they had O.J. Simpson, and he was a Heisman winner. How big USC football was in the 60s and 70s nationally because that was a game on television. It's similar to Notre Dame. It's similar to the Cowboys in the NFL because it was always on TV. Oh, man, if, if you wanted to, to go even further with that, I mean, in the comparison, to me, there's really no comparison. As, as great as Michael Strahan was as a player, even with him playing in New York, he was still a defensive end. Uh, OJ was playing for USC. He was the running back. Traditionally, right now, if we think about some of the best running backs in history, I mean, even right now, if you're a running back at USC, you got it made. You know what I mean? You, you, you're collecting 12, 1,300 yards at USC. You're in the league, no doubt about it. Well, if you well, okay, I guess I can't say that for some of you. you might not be a high draft pick, but you're going to the league. So I'm just saying, like, with that being said, <laughs> that man was on top of the world. Even to me, it seems like he was just as popular in college as he was in the NFL, if not more popular in college. It looked more. It's just something about it, man. Something about that USC uniform. Something about that that lifestyle, the way they were, the way they were living it out there, and everything like that. It's just for someone here back east, as Chris Swanson likes to call it, in the dirty south, as you like to call it, Morales. Yes. Just looking over there, if SC gets it rolling, I don't see, I don't really see a um, a, a program in the country that can compete with. It, you know, we're seeing what Alabama is doing. That's in a small market. That's just because they're doing that bad boy with the best coaching available. Uh, by far, you know what I mean? USC gets it rolling like it was back in the 2000s when we've seen it in this particular lifetime for us young cats. Man, it's just outstanding. Hey, and when Cody Kessler wins that Super Bowl championship for the Cleveland Browns, Uh-oh. because now Cleveland is hot, so they're going to go Cavs, and Browns are going to win a Super Bowl, and Cody Kessler is going to take that. Chris Swanson and the rest of the nation will really double down on subscriber base and Trojan sports. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's happening any day now. But, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you guys. USC football feels bigger. I think it'll eventually get there. I think you guys are right on. It'll be back. It'll be back. I mean, look at what Carroll did. I, that was – it can't be done again. Even this Alabama run, I, I don't I don't really oh, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, I really whoa. don't. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't compare because Alabama's run is better. Uh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. So, what are you, you talking about? If if there was a playoff in place, I honestly think that USC would have won the national championship every year except for 2005, between 2002 and 2000. Was that the year Vince Young made us cry? That's that one year. Yeah. And, they, and that was USC's worst defense, just so you know, that they had in that whole era, by far. By not Man. even close. I'm just Man. saying. The, the 2008 USC <laughs> team played in the Pac-12 they gave up the least amount of points in the NCAA since 1989 Auburn in the SEC. Do you think that 2008 Pac-12 football is a little bit more offensively minded? Yeah, they give up less than 10 points a game. They're really good in like every year. 
it's offensive minded, but it's offensive minded going through the air. It's just a big difference when you're able to stop physicality. To me, physicality is the great equalizer. They had uh, Ray Maluga, Brian Cushing, Clay Matthews on that team. Oh, they, were, they were going to stop the run, too. Oh, there's no doubt about it, man. But I'm just saying, if we were going back through Alabama's teams, I could say, yeah, yeah, Rolando McClain, Dante Hightower, Marcel Darius. You had uh, top 10 picks in the backfield. You had Robert Lester on the team. You had Mark Barron. I can go on and on with these teams. I get you. Alabama's great. And, you know, we we really we could fight about it all day because it's one of those things like we talked about with Muhammad Ali on the on the podcast before is where it's like, yeah, you are comparing two great runs. And it's like, you know, we could throw Miami into this discussion, too, during that run or whatever else. And I don't know about that. You don't know. OK, I do. Yeah, like, I, I think that like all these teams, I think they have one national title two. No, maybe yeah. one. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think they yeah, should have been two. They won 30-something games in a row, and who cares about national titles when it's all made up? It's all it's somebody just saying, I think this is the best team, so that's who won it. Like, who cares about national titles? You know what I mean? Like, USC was arguably the best team for, like, eight straight years. Miami probably was something like that as well. I mean, I think they won 30-something games in a row at one point, you know? So well, they're all good say, teams. Tank could be said about Alabama. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah, a picture no, portion kind of thing. That's what, that's it's a subjective right. kind of thing too. You're right. So no, you're, I completely agree. Alabama, you can I mean, argue. You always, put, hey, listen, you always put me on here just to just to hear me talk about the South and, the, and to get some of your people I, mad, man. Because they be like, hey, man, why you putting that Southern cat on here? Exactly. <laughs> I want him to post. B22 Riders mad at you, dude. Who? B22 Rider. My dude. He's mad at you. Remember? I said who. Oh, oh, oh see, I get it. I get it. I'm funny. sorry, I don't get that. I don't get that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even see these kids. I'm like Waldo out here, baby. Okay. Who? Be who? <laughs> no, it was two. It was 87 and 89. As Wikipedia puts it, claimed national titles, whatever that means. Oh, you talk, that year? I thought he was talking about 2000. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I thought you were talking about the Jimmy Johnson era. Yeah, uh, that, right. that, I mean, that that's like those two. Whatever. I mean, there's all some good. I'm talking about the U. Yeah, no, but like in the two thousand, in the two thousand, so two thousand one, yes, one yeah. one title. Okay, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, the greatness of likes like Cody Kessler. Who wants to be the next Cody Kessler? Swanson. There was a lot of movement with USC quarterback targets this week. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I will. Um, Chase Garber is committed to Cal. He was apparently he was supposed to be waiting for a USC scholarship offer in, in Camp Ford, and he just committed to Cal instead. Tyler, Tyler Lytle, who they were looking at, they didn't offer. He committed to Colorado. Jake Hayner, who was a target on their list, but they didn't offer. He committed to Washington. Um, I'm almost 100% sure Sears is going to UCLA. Uh, he was at UCLA's camp, not USC. So it kind of feels like Tua Tagovailo, who's committed to Alabama, when he takes that official visit, might be their last shot before they're reaching for somebody, maybe. Um, it's it's kind of crazy to think about that, but I really do think that two attack of Aloha might end up at USC. I really think that, and if he doesn't, they do have Matt Corral committed for 2018. He's going to be a five-star, so they might be okay anyway, especially if Sam Darnold emerges and he kind of sets them up for the future as a young guy. Um, but yeah, look for two attack of Aloha, I think. That's what I'm going to tell everybody about the USC quarterback situation. Mm, man, I don't know about that. Uh, do like me some Jack Sears, though, I will tell you that. But um, I'm, the best case, just like you said, just like you set it up, Sam Darnold, if he gets in and balls out, you know what I mean? Although I like me some Max Brown, man, so Sam Darnold might have to wait. But if you if he does wait and then that extends out Sam Darnold, 
then you might be a smooth transition to Macaroff. So it may not even matter, but you definitely want that depth. And I don't never hear anyone talking about Fink. It's almost like he doesn't exist. What's wrong with your man Fink? Why don't you never talk about Fink, man? He's, he's a project guy. That's the thing is that I think he could be a factor when he's like a junior, senior type. No, I'm serious. You know what I mean? He's he's going to be that, okay, he's there for depth. And then when he's older, maybe he, you know, competes. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see him as that typical USC quarterback recruit. I think that that's why people don't really talk about him um, that much. He's just a freshman, too, and they're really focused on Darnold versus Brown right now. But USC might not need a quarterback in this class, really. They, they, they might need some depth as some guys transfer, but – um, to attack a very low or bust is what I would I would tell the coaches if I had to say. I like that. You, hey, you know who messed up, man? The Ricky Tua Town. Your man Ricky, Ricky Town right now could have been vying for the starting position. And right now, from the sources I have in Arkansas, it's not even looking good for him at Arkansas. Well, he's another guy that because, because of Sam Darnold, um, he would have to wait. Um, he would have a chance, I guess, if Darnold went down and, you know, Brown, trans- like Darnold beat out Brown, Brown transfers, you know, Darnold goes down, whatever, something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he was who's the higher rated. Who's the higher rated quarterback in that class? Between Darnold and Town? Ricky Town. Yeah, I remember Ricky Town at Alabama. I, th- I think Town was always higher until the end, and then I think they moved Darnold ahead. Uh, to be honest with you, I watched them both, um, you know, regularly. I watched them in the All-Star games. I thought Town was better coming into USC after Sam Darnold arrived. I thought Darnold had progressed and kind of taken it over. USC also didn't really give Ricky Town as much of a shot as they did Sam Darnold. Uh, it seemed like, but now I'm looking at Sam Darnold. I think he might be great. So I think it kind of worked out the way it was supposed to for USC anyway. Uh, I think Darnold's probably better, but I like Ricky Town a lot. I think he's going to play somewhere eventually. Beautiful. It is beautiful. So, you know, sometimes we, we, we go baseball. We don't go basketball. Just We don't go basketball enough on this show. But we I'm don't. a Duke basketball fan anyway. I would love for USC to maybe, you know, use this whole Derek Thornton thing that we're going to get into in a moment to maybe make USC basketball to convert me, to flip me like a vampire in the night. But I don't know if that's possible. But why don't you tell, not just Derek Thornton, there's one other USC basketball transfer. Why don't you tell us about it? Swanee Baby. Yeah, um, they're different, and uh, it works out for USC in a different way. Derek Thornton, obviously, is transferring from Duke. Uh, We reported that on the site. We actually reported way back in April, I believe it was, that USC expected to sign him. Uh, He's coming. He has to sit for a year, I believe. So he can't play right away, um, but I believe he's a good enough player, a big-time five-star type you know, player that he's going to make a huge impact at USC and help take them to a new level. I expect if they can put a roster around him that's capable, USC will be one of the best teams in the Pac-12 with him. I think he'll be one of the best point guards in the Pac-12. That's what I really expect. Or one of the best guards, I should say. Um, because USC, you know, they kind of change it up and they, you know, they use three guards and move guys around. So I don't want to pigeonhole him yet, even though I think that's where he will end up. Um, Charles Bugs is different. Charles Bugs came from Minnesota um, you know, Big Ten's a tough conference, uh, but he's a red shirt. He's going to be a red shirt senior when he arrives at USC. He's eligible to play immediately. He fills a huge hole for them because they need size. He's a 6'9", 230 pound guy that averaged about, you know, six points a game, a little bit less than three rebounds a game. 
big deal. Big deal for USC. They need size. They lost some guys to the draft transfers. They need big guys. And I think the Bugs will fill in as well as anybody they had, really, that they lost. I think him, uh, you know, Chemezi Metu, they're, they're going to have uh, a pretty good deal uh, going forward, I think. They just need to add a little bit more depth, I think, uh, and then they'll be okay. But I actually i am starting to like the way that their roster shaping up. I'm going to drop something exclusive for the podcast really fast about basketball before drop we move it. on. Drop it. Um, I talked to a source on the basketball team um, about Shaquan Aaron, uh, who said that Shaquan is the real deal. He's the transfer from Louisville. He's going to play this year. A lot of people, he said, you know, kind of get the big name just because they were the big-time recruit or whatever. But he said Shaquan Aaron will start for them. He's a big deal, and he's going to be a really, really good player. So I think USC might even have a bright future next year in basketball, even though we are looking at them as maybe having to rebuild before because they did lose so many guys to the draft and to transfer. Murph, tell us all about your basketball knowledge. <laughs> I mean, I can't even spell basketball, man. I'm not even freaking never watching that. Back in the day, though, I did love me some Harold Miner. So wasn't nothing finer than my man Harold Miner back in the day, baby. I loved Harold Miner, too. I loved Harold Miner, too. I think I was like two when he was at USC or something. So it makes sense, right? (laughs) I I liked O.J. Mayo back in the day, too. I did. I liked me some O.J. Mayo as well. But uh, I had the Harold Miner slam dunk champion NBA poster. Uh, the, now yeah, OJ Mayo, the- do they did they give it just in an envelope or did they like actually set up an account? How did they do that? Well, actually, can they do it PayPal? I mean, how do they do it? Hi, Adam. <laughs> okay, on that note, why don't we take a short break? It's hot outside here in Lake Havasu City, where I'm at. I need to refill my iced teacup, light another cigar, and we're going to get ready for your questions from the message board and to have Adam Maya join us in moments. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm going to towel off, and we will talk to you in just a few minutes right here. The Trojan Sports Psychop Podcast. Oh, yeah. Cobra Attack! You're listening to this week's edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay, I, I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the Trojansports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com Powered by our rivals. Rivals. Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that, with a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the TrojanSports.com podcast. And remember, 
Everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan. From recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Oh, yeah. Ashman! Galito! Oh, yeah. Back on the Trojansports.com podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, when we did the fake podcast that's what we called it earlier this week, I played Summer Girls by LFO. Yes, you did. And this time I play Summertime by Fresh Prince of Bel Air because... Because Murph's on the show. Man, that's funny. I'm, I'm a big LFO fan. I'm a Were huge you? Rich. Man, I love Rich Cronin. I love Brad Fischetti, Devin Lee, all those guys. That's man. good LFO knowledge. I, I hey, even before that. that, even before that, when they had the um, the guy that they switched out, you uh, lost you didn't me. Know that, didn't you, you lost me. You lost no, there me. Was a, there was a member before, and they replaced him with Devin Lee. Okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> welcome to the TrojanSports.com podcast. Chris Swanson, Murph Baldwin, Chris Morales, our, our Friday edition here. And we were going to effort Adam Maya to join us for questions from the message board that had been sitting there all week. But Maya, going straight to voicemail. Yeah. You know, usually we use satellite phone technology, but we're actually using just straight calling him. Yeah. And it's going straight to voicemail. Yeah. So hopefully he's okay. Yeah. Hopefully Murph yeah. Baldwin didn't put a hit on him like a, out of an episode of Scandal or something. But <laughs> if he's not okay, this show will be up for yes. the rest of forever instead yes, of yeah. for just 30 minutes. Yes. So. There I'm we like go. Harrison, Harrison from Scandal. The black guy? You think? <laughs> Cue the message board horn and the music once again. Chris Swanson, ask away, my friends. Adam Aya is out with an illness. Well, that was Monday, but he's still out. So just me and the other guy. We'll try our best, LOL, ask away. Not only is the other guy me, we also got Murph Baldwin here. Oh, hey, the intern, our friend Drew Fighton. Hi, guys. I was wondering if there's any possibility USC could play with two quarterbacks. Switch between Brown and Darnold, keep things interesting, and then announce a starter if things begin to separate between them. Also, any thoughts on how the running game will be split between Rojo and Davis? Lastly, do you think Akacetric Ware gets any meaningful playing time in his career? Also, any chance Adam is out because Nick from Cyprus is out? Hmm, that is true. Get better soon, Adam. Thank you, Drew Fight On. Yeah, thanks, Drew Fight On. Um, yeah, uh, Adam and I have discussed the possibility of them playing two quarterbacks before. I don't remember what Adam said, and he's not here to tell us what he said. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to guess. Um, yeah, I think that it's possible because, like, you know, if they're still at a point where they feel like things are kind of even – put Max Brown in early and then if Darnold progresses maybe he starts you know he forces you to play him as well and maybe eventually he takes over I don't know I could see a scenario with them playing two quarterbacks Uh, I don't think it's what they want to do though Um, I think they want to have a starter I think you know there's that old saying when you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks Uh, I think that's true Uh, even for Ohio State that year yeah it, it doesn't always apply but sometimes it does most of the time it does so I and I think that usually you know I think that if they were playing two they would have none honestly that's how I would feel um, <clears throat> as for the running game I think it's going to be pretty much 50-50 between Rojo and Davis Adam Maya thinks I'm wrong and he thinks Ronald Jones will eventually get more carries that might be right because Jones did show some explosion he's older now so maybe he gets you know the pass protection stuff and all that other kind of stuff but I think it's going to be pretty much 50-50 um, I'm not sure about it, Cedric Ware. 
Uh, he's he's one of those guys that you got to watch, wait and see. He might transfer. He might get playing time. They might find a role for him. I'm not sure. Um, as for Adam being out on Monday, I would have agreed with you that he, maybe he is Nick from Cyprus, but I don't even think Nick from Cyprus would disappear for a whole week. So, and by the no. way, because we had a lot of drops in our on, in the Lost podcast, the Forgotten one, the fake podcast, we had a lot of drops from Seinfeld, the Ass Man episode, because we said that Adam was doing a whole proctology thing. We were having fun with a bit, but we want to be able to say that yet now because we want to keep at least some of the bit in because those drops are so good. From the Seinfeld episode. There's two Seinfeld episodes that I think are legendary, and they involve Kramer, because I always find myself a Kramer type, is the Ass Man, and then the Merv Griffin set. When he puts the Merv Griffin set up in his house, I think those two episodes are amazing. I'm not, I'm not the Ass Man. I think there's been a mistake. What's your name again? Cosmo Kramer. Cosmo Kramer. You are the Ass Man. But, All right. But, Chris, I have to ask Murph doesn't you. like Seinfeld. A lot, of, a lot of brothers don't like Seinfeld. It's a, like too, it's a little too Jewish for them. I like Seinfeld. Yeah. I like Come Seinfeld, on, too. But you're not black. But I'm blonde and white. Yes. That is true. And you like trainees in San Pedro. <laughs> That's a Listen. good restaurant. That's yes. a good restaurant. What were you going to oh, say, Chris? Um, I don't know. I forgot, actually. I well, forgot. all right, then cool. Just let me answer the question. Well, then yeah. can I answer the question, then? Answer the question, Mark. All right, man. So we'll switch between Brown and Darnold. Um... For my what my fifth Alabama reference on this show, oh, I would say that Alabama has set the standard with that right now because it's usually not until like their third or fourth game that they decide their quarterback. Uh, you remember last year, uh, Jacob Coker started the year, but it always seemed as though he was just one pick away from getting pulled. And to the point that when the Ole Miss game came around, Cooper Bateman started, and then once they saw that Cooper Bateman couldn't do anything really. Uh, it was Jacob Coker's team, really, as because he led that comeback and they, they almost won that game. So I think he gained the trust of the team. So it's all about gaining the trust of the team, and you can't really do that right away. But this is a different situation. Um, I know that everything is – nothing is really riding on this Alabama game. You you definitely want to see where you're at. And if you were to pull the upset and beat Alabama, I think it could definitely set your season uh, ablaze, you know. But if not – it's just a game. You know, you still have all your goals in front of you. So, to me, it doesn't matter if, if you can't decide between Brown and Darnold at that particular time. But eventually, man, maybe by the third or fourth game, you want to see who's going to earn the trust of the team, man. And I'm not exactly sure who's going to do that. I really do like Brown's skill set, though, man. So, we'll see about that. I like Darnold, too. I think it's two good players you're choosing between. Uh, so, so it would be pretty good. Um the split between Rojo slash Rojo and Davis. Uh, the thing about Davis, man, I think he's extremely underrated. He runs with uh, superior ferocity. I remember seeing him just break like tackles, like real tackle breaking, not some people sliding off in their arm tackle. He's like lowering his shoulder and running with some intensity, man. So I think that type of running style, to me, you would definitely want to go 50-50 with that. Uh, and if I were to give somebody the most carries, I would probably give it to Davis because to me, Rojo could do the most with the least. He's one of those microwave kind of cats. You come in, you run the inside and outside zone with him. He's going to break big runs. He'll get you 100 yards without having to have a bunch of carries. To me, Davis seems like the one that would be able to uh, wear down a defense. And, you know, And once you got a big offensive line like that, you need a punishing runner. I don't think that he's a punishing runner per se, like we would see from some other backs, like a Todd Gurley or somebody like that, Ezekiel Elliott. But I think he's big enough, and I believe he's getting even bigger, so we can see from there. I don't remember the last question. <laughs> uh, the last question, 
Uh, any that chance Adam is out because Nick from Cyprus? Yeah, so you're fine. All right, okay. Drew fight on in turn Drew. Thank you so much. Exodus one. Who is the leader right now to be the second running back in this class with Carr? With percentage of confidence, they will be at SC. Have not heard Robinson really link to another running back. He is really recruiting hard to date. Yeah, you know, that's because I don't think there really is somebody that, um, you know, USC can really say, oh, this is our second running back. This is the guy we're going after. You know, this is, uh, you know, the guy that we're going to get. They're going after guys, obviously. They're recruiting guys. They have offers out. But there isn't an answer, you know, for a second running back. Obviously, Najee Harris is the one in California, but I don't think USC stands really high for him. Um, And I think it would be kind of a surprise if they got him. Um, You know, USC's also gone out of state a lot. Uh, They've gone to Florida to get these guys or to offer these guys. But I think it's just kind of a a wait-and-see situation, you know, with who's going to be interested in USC, who's going to show up. Uh, and maybe who else is going to get an offer if USC really does want a second running back outside of Stephen Carr? Right now, I mean, I would tell you, look at Ty Chandler out in uh, Tennessee. He told me he's interested. Look at Colin Wilson out in Florida. He's told me he's interested. And Devin Barrett out in Tampa, Florida has also told me he's interested. There are some guys, but they're all wait-and-see guys because they're not you know, from L.A. Right. Outside of Carr. Murph Baldwin, your thoughts? Anything? No. Nothing. Trojan, thank you, Exodus 1. Trojan gift horse. Your life depends upon the team moving the ball downfield and scoring on one single drive. Which quarterback do you go with? Chris Swanson. I like Max Brown a lot, but I'm picking Sam Darnold because I'm starting to believe after watching Sam Darnold and Max Brown throw the ball around and going through spring and all this stuff. that This competition is close for a reason. I don't think it's politics. I think Sam Darnold's eventually going to win this job for Max Brown. I I think it's unfortunate for Max Brown because I believe he's an incredibly high-level quarterback. I think he'll go somewhere else and kill it, but... I would pick Sam Darnold because I just think Sam Darnold's that good now. He's starting to blow me away. I'm going to go with Sam Darnold just for the simple fact that if you need that one drive, you're going to have to manufacture first downs, and I think he has the better legs. Although I think Brown has the better arm and overall arm talent, uh, the being able to oscillate between your legs and, and, and throwing the ball downfield. And also, I think that he may be pretty good with the quick game, you know? It's not all about getting those big chunk plays when you're talking about one single scoring drives. Uh, sometimes you got to dice them up, hit the quick game, hit the mid-range game, uh, manufacture with your legs, and I believe Sam Darnold is that. There we go. Thank you so much, Trojan Gift Horse. Murph Baldwin's friend, Fatty McButterpants. Oh, God. Would be interesting in hearing from you guys and Murph if possible about how the addition of Stevie T on the D-line might affect personnel groupings. Would we now see a starting front line of Green, Stevie, and Jefferson at the same time? Would Jacob Daniel backing up Stevie at the nose? Or are there more effective groupings to be mixed and matched? Wait, so he mentioned my name? Mentioned me by name? Matt Fatty Mm -hmm. McButterpants He wanted you. He wants you in on this. So much so we had you on the whole show. The guy that I'm supposed to fight with a knife here pretty soon? Yes. That you're going to oh, okay. turbo shank. I turbo shank, the, turbo shank you to the death. It'd be, man, it would be awesome, Fatty. So please see me for that knife fight pretty soon here. But yeah, um, as far as your question, though, I think you're, you're, you're pretty much right on. Um, I look at getting the best players at the best alignment that you could possibly do. And I always wondered about Noah Jefferson at the nose being six foot six. Uh, you don't want those t- taller guys on the nose because usually your interior players 
uh, your centers and guards and all those guys. They're usually squattier, you know, six one, six foot two, and it's a game of leverage, you know. Low man wins, no doubt about it. So being able to move Noah Jefferson out, a guy who I think has positional versatility anyway. The way he can slide out to a five technique at six six two um three thirty, I'm not exactly sure uh, what he's wearing now. I remember Adam, Adam telling me that he lost some weight, so he may be like six six what three fifteen three twenty. That's perfect. It's perfect for a five technique, you know. So you want to have him playing next to your strong side outside linebacker and new chin and also. Uh, you've been able to tie up blocks, him being able to two gap, read and react, and, and being able to stop the run that way on the strong side, you know, where there's a, a higher threat of the run. But also that allows your man Rasheen Green to stay at a three technique. Try to use his his um actually he was a five technique, so he moved him to three technique to where I think he also has positional versatility where he's a little bit quicker uh, than you would think. Uh you believe Malik Dorton to a rotational spot. So then you you gain a little bit of depth there. But man, you get a true stout nose tackle, you know? Uh Tui Kolovatu, he is what, like six one, six foot two? These guys just a big, a, a little bungalow out there, man. So you put a bungalow right there on the nose. Have him, of course, tie and assist. And the tie and assist defense, everybody's working for those second level guys to get off and get off cleanly. So, if, man, if you're able to get those big bodies like that, and you talk about in a conference where Stanford is running the ball, they're running the ball like no other, to be honest with you. Uh, UCLA's running the ball. All these teams are running the ball. No, no matter what, you know, a lot of teams put it in the air, but it's the teams that's winning is the team that's running the ball. If you've noticed, it's nothing better than having 310 pounds, 330 pounds, 285 pounds. And that's going along with a bigger guy like Porter Gustin's 250 pounds out there. And then you have a smaller player out there. The strong side, is, it doesn't matter as much because you got all that beef to help him out. So and of course, you assist those second level players. So, man, that's the that's the rotation. If you ask me, the Woso. Uh, on, on the line of scrimmage, strong side linebacker, your man Noah Jefferson out of five technique, uh, Stevie T at the nose with Jacob Daniel backing him up, Malik Dorton backing up Rasheen Green, of course, at the at the star position, you know, that, that three technique, and then Port Augustine at the weak side, man. That's a darn good defensive line. Very nicely done for Fatty McButterpants. Drew Fidon jumps Fatty. in on the board. Intern Drew, wow, you and Murph must have come a long way from the knife fight discussion to ask for his advice. Man, I'm telling you what. I don't know about that, man. You forced me to come on here. You didn't tell me that he was asking the question. No, 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 no. You guys have come a long way. I see it. I see it. Hey, man, what was the problem? I don't even understand what the problem was, man. Why are people associating me with Fatty McButterpants like this? There was something about, like, OJ. And it was like, who could take OJ or something? I don't remember. No, it was um they were, I believe he was talking about Notre Dame. We was talking about the schedule being easier. And I'm like, man, you can't really say someone's schedule is easier because first of all, you got to evaluate your own team. Your own team is losing a lot of players. You're losing the best players Murph. off your defense. Murph, and all this and that. Don't even. I I made this point and there was a 200 post thread about what an idiot I was. So just we're just going to let it go. We think uh-huh. the schedule's harder. Some people don't. Oh, don't worry. There's a schedule oh, wow. question coming. Darren, but we'll get to that in well, moments. Well, wait, Chris Morales. Yes. I actually have breaking news. Ah, cue the breaking news sound effect. Breaking news. Adam Maya just texted me ah. from a bunker in the desert or something. He's ready to go if you want to try to add him onto the show right now. Well, if we don't add him, we'll hear about how we didn't add him. All right. So momentarily. Oh, Adam now texting me. Let's see what this fun could be. 
Let's see what Adam says. We go why. The number always oh, gives us his number, as though we didn't have it. Or is this a different number? This is a different number. Oh, wow. This is exciting. Because everyone in, the, in today's day and age always has a home phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> live radio, folks. Live podcast for the second time this week. Let's add no, this number. Oh, bad. Murph, sure. do you, Murph, is this the kind of uh, antics that happen on other sites that you're involved in? Hell no. <laughs> you're saying on no, UGA no. Sports they don't do this kind of uh, fun no, and frivolity? Roddy, no, Roddy runs that bad boy. Too he runs it a little differently? Okay. Perfectly. Meanwhile, speaking of uh, Roddy and Rowdy, the one and only Adam Maya joins us from a new home phone somewhere deep in the bunker. Adam, <laughs> Adam yeah. what's up, man? What up? Hey, man. Trying to live. Good, good. Adam, we're in the middle of the message board questions. Uh, okay. So we're just adding you, I guess. At this yeah. Point. Perfect time. Perfect time. So Chris Morales, go ahead, I guess. Ask a Darren T says, how much stock do you guys put into these summer workouts? I just remember last year, everyone was talking about how good Cam was looking. See how that turned out. From watching the workout videos you guys put out, Max is throwing more interceptions than Sam. This is with no real pass rush. What's your thoughts? Why don't we start with Adamaya, who just joined us? All right. I'm very careful to draw any conclusions from the workouts because they're out there without pads, obviously. They're in shorts. They're, they're having fun. And while I think they're trying to get organized and, and build maybe a little bit of more rapport and chemistry, it's really about the quarterbacks playing pitch and catch with the receivers and the defensive backs remaining sharp. Outside of that, you're not getting much from the front seven or the offensive line. It's not designed for them, and therefore it's not football. You're, you're playing a game at that point where, like, three flags up is not baseball. These summer workouts are not football. And I just can't come away from those feeling like, you know, it, it, it's suggestive of what they're going to do in the fall. Gentlemen? Go ahead, baby. Yeah, I agree. Good answer, Adam. Good answer. Murph Baldwin? What? <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you can glean from a situation like that. Uh, practice warriors and practice all-stars and everything like that. Uh, come on, man. You got to take that with a grain of salt. When you're out in the summer workouts, first and foremost, if you're someone like Max Brown, you're probably going to see exactly what your what your skill set is and what your limitations are. So when it's for real, then you know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to want to throw those deep digs. You're going to want to throw those comebacks. You're going to want to throw those those shallow those those um sharp slants. You want to you want to try to see exactly where you can put the ball at. You know, uh, like I said before, man, football is about knowing your limitations. And when you're out there and those bullets are flying for real. Um, and you have a good understanding of what you can do, that's when you limit your mistakes. So if you're going to throw interceptions, throw them in a, in a workout where it doesn't really matter. You know, um, only people who's going to really put stock in that is probably people on the outside, um, fans and stuff like that. But nah, man, I wouldn't even worry about that because you're, you're working on yourself. Yeah, and the other thing too, it lends itself to showcasing physical ability. I think that, that can be apparent. You can see maybe how fast a guy moves or if it's a quarterback, how well he can throw. 
things of that nature. So it's not that you don't see anything. It's just that you don't know how it's going to translate to, you know, running plays and, and being on the same page with your teammates because everything's very individual in those workouts. Very good. All right, thank you, Darren T. TJWSW4SE. By any chances, recruiting have any different feel this year, or is it just same old, same old? Chris Swanson? It has a different feel. I touched on this a little bit earlier uh, in the podcast. I feel like USC is getting really aggressive uh, with recruiting out-of-state recruits. I think they could offer anybody at any time out-of-state, back east, in the south, wherever, um, to get them interested, to get them looking at campus, to get them realizing USC's football history and you know seriously considering the school and to get a leg up on you know some of the local schools that might be coming after these kids later. Uh, they're, they're making earlier projections on these kids. They're also doing it locally. Uh, you noticed it. They offered a couple 2020 kids, uh, you know, during Rising Stars, during the skills camp over the past two weeks. 2020 means that they're in eighth grade right now. They're a rising freshman that hasn't played any high school football, varsity football. They're offering these kids. Uh, Pete Carroll didn't do that. Pete Carroll offered 65, 75 kids a year. Uh, USC is now well over 100. They have more spots to hand they're out. They're over 150. Yeah, they're 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 way over. They're way over. They have more spots to hand out than they've had before when they were a little. They kept a little bit lower under the sanctions. Um, they also are just being more aggressive. I think that's really the big difference this year. Yeah, I, I got a whole different impression of the two, where I think there was a time when an offer meant that the school wanted that player and they wanted that player to commit. Now it's merely an introduction. Like we're we're recruiting you at this point. Now that we've offered you, we're actually recruiting you. So there aren't many targets without an offer. Where before there would be people that would be being that would be evaluated for months before getting that offer. And once the offer was made, USC wanted them to occupy a spot in the signing class. Obviously, you're not doing that with nearly 200 kids and so um it's a different era i think it's kind of manifesting throughout the country yeah it is um basically what the way i kind of interpret what happened was that big pro everybody used to wait until your senior year until they would could watch your film see everything you've done in high school before they would really evaluate you know if you could be a college football player for them uh, smaller programs would offer kids earlier because they knew earlier that those kids would be a player for them. Kids started to hold that against the bigger programs, it seemed like. Started to say, like, hey, you know, this school offered me earlier, so I'm going to look at them. You know, they liked me before you did. They've always been in my corner. So I think bigger schools just start offering kids earlier as well and knowing that they don't have to honor the scholarship anymore. And so now I think you see these schools coming after, yeah, 2019, 2018, 2020 kids. You don't know if those kids are going to play Pac-12 football, football that's good enough for USC, Ohio State, Alabama, wherever else. You just don't know, but the offers are still being made. It's completely different, like you mentioned, Adam. It's really, it's kind of sad, I think. Uh, I think it gets kids excited and uh, they don't really understand the process. I wish it was different, but I don't think it's going to change. Trojan Gift Horse chimes in. The level of recruiting going on in Florida is highly interesting. Murph Baldwin, yeah. your thoughts? <laughs> Simply because be you're fun. in that south southeast region. 
You did it to him again. I did do it to him again, didn't I? Uh, didn't you I did. do that the first time on the fake podcast? Yes, you did. You sure on the did. Practice, no, it's practice podcast. Oh, practice. Oh, see, now Ooh, Chris uses a different term. But yes, the practice podcast, <laughs> not the fake podcast. Yes, I did it. I apologize, Murph, all over again. I'll send you it's a picture good, later man. that'll make up for it. But, so, Chris Watson, your thoughts? Yeah, Trojan Gift Horse's point is good because Florida is a place where you're going to see, you know, get heavily affected by USC uh, offering aggressively because they, you know, it's Florida. They're always offering aggressively there. There's a lot of talent there. It's it's going to, you know, be uh, magnified, I guess, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times over. So, yeah, his, his point is good. I think he may, you know, the level of recruiting going on in Florida is incredibly high this year. It's always high, but it's incredibly high this year, it seems like. Trojan Gift Horse, thank you for chiming in and having me set Murph up all over again. David Wall, hi boys, which is the game that SC will win next year that will most surprise its fans? And who is the recruit who will sign with SC that will be the most pleasant surprise for most of us? No, David Wall, we're not going to say Alabama for you. Although Chris might, just for the fun of it. Do you want me to start? Because I'll say Alabama. Go ahead. Yeah, it's Alabama because... There's no other game that USC could win that would surprise Man, most hold, of its fans. Hold, hold on, he said so we'll win. Which one are you picking them to win? Yes, he said we'll win. So you're saying they're going to beat Alabama? I I can't say they're going to beat Alabama, but if I pick well, then any we need other to move game, on because it's not <laughs> yeah. Alabama. No, no, no. I can't pick any other game because if I pick if I say oh Oregon, even though I don't think they'll beat Oregon, that game wouldn't surprise any of USC's fans if they won. They'd yeah, like, it would. Hey, of course. I would just I say wouldn't. no. Right, hold on, time out. Time out, time out, time out, time out. More talent. Time out, time out for a second. Simply because I feel like this is all deja vu because it is. I actually want to hear a different voice on all this. Adam, what would you say? Okay, well, because I understand the question and I'm being asked to predict a win that I believe in, not the game that would surprise people, but the game that I think they will win that, in effect, would surprise people. I'm picking right now. We're in June. I'm picking Utah. Yeah, that's going to surprise everybody. USC no, not Utah. everybody. It, obviously not. But they're, I think that's a really hard game to win. And I think that they'll win at Utah. That's as far as I'll go. I'm not picking them right now to beat Alabama. Could be Stanford, could be Oregon. Not in June. And as we've talked about before, that Utah game that is in that circle of games where it's going to go Alabama, Utah State, at Stanford, and then at Utah. And I think Adam makes a good point because after playing Alabama out of the gate and then the, the cupcake, if you will, Utah State, which with the USC, you never know if it's a cupcake, but then having to go at Stanford, you would expect after that sort of start with no break that the at Utah game at 6 p.m. Pacific time, could be the loss. So I think Adam makes a decent point. i got to no, be honest. I, in a short week. I agree. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point. It's a tough game. I'm not even sure I would pick USC to win that game, honestly. So I get his point. I'm just saying a USC fan so it will see the you. schedule. No. Yeah, it, it would surprise it was, me. But Adam, right. a, USC there we fan, go. a USC fan that, that bets on them all the time, that, that doesn't really pay attention to college football will look at the schedule and go, USC at Utah, no. win, W, it's Utah. They just came from Mountain West. They suck, W. Yeah. That's what no. they'll if say. If you're betting on them all the time, you, that's not a game that you're going to blindly I'm, bet on. I'm saying the USC fan, 
The average fan will not be surprised if USC beats Utah. That will not surprise them. I'm not, I'm not, I don't agree. I'm not speaking for them. Okay. Okay, I think the only game that would surprise fans if they won would be Alabama. I don't think they would win. Right, but the question is, what game do you predict them to win? Yeah, I'm not so predicting. So you don't have one then. I don't think they'll win any games that would surprise any of their there fans. Okay, that's what you said the one that yeah. Okay, the only one that exists is Alabama. It's the same point. Uh, stop saying Alabama. The only possible game that could that could possibly Let's, surprise any of their fans. That's one. so true. I can't. Any of their fans? No fans would be surprised if they beat Oregon. No, they, there would be fans that would be surprised. No fans would be surprised if no, they beat Stanford. Oh my God, Adam! But half of them wouldn't be surprised. Half right, of them, I, USC right. They're, they're, yeah, Alabama would be the most surprising. That's not the question. I know it's the only one that would surprise its fans. That's my point. No, Every no, other game they would win, they just the go, way, "Oh yeah." Okay, the way it's phrased, it says we'll win next year. I know. I can't right. pick one. There's no for me. There's no game they will win that will surprise a fan. So why not just say there's no game? That, that, I did. No I said the only play. one that's possible is Alabama. I'm saying Alabama because it says we'll win. Are you saying that they will win that they game? could beat Alabama. That would be the only one that would surprise fans. I don't get why this is insane. I don't get why this it's is so hard to understand. It's game that SC will win next year. Yeah, I don't think surprise. they'll win it, but they could, and if they did, it would be the only game they could yeah, win. They, they, they could, doesn't they matter. Start. They could They could win every game. They could lose every game. That doesn't matter. Yeah, they no. Win their next 200 no, games. My answer is there right. is none. Then there's no game they'll win that will surprise fans next year. But if they did beat Alabama, that would be the one. Oh, I don't get why that's why that's like weird. Okay. You're, you're reformulating the question. Of the I'm not. I answered the question and then said because I didn't pick anybody, this would be the only game I could see doing that. That's well, it. Not, no. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to my logic. Even though I think everyone already follows, um, when There's they play a Utah, response thread about how Utah sucks and they won't even hang I know. with Tennessee. I know. That's follow, okay. follow me. Everyone follows follow. Adam's logic already. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. they do. Okay, so this past year, when they played Utah, they were actually 500, and Utah was ranked number three in the country, and USC was actually favored. I I don't know how, but they were. And they won that game. Uh, many were surprised, though, that they won that game still. I think going into this game, the Utah game in 2016, just right now, the way I see it in June, it can totally change, is that they'll be one and two. That they'll have gotten beat by Alabama and by Stanford, and they're going to play Utah on the road on a short week. And therefore, I think they're going to win that game, and it will be a fairly nice surprise. This is where you lost me. Last year, Utah was ranked number three. And I just USC said all that. Don't no, I know. Everything this, I this is, but this is where you lost me. They were favored anyway. Because yeah, no one would be surprised if they because beat Because they were at home. But it's not only that. It's the fact that they get a bunch of five stars and Utah doesn't. So nobody yeah. would be surprised if USC beat Utah. Were you? That's why, they, that's why they. Yes, I was, but they were favored to beat the number three. <laughs> he's saying, team. Right. He's but, saying they're going to be but, surprised because they're going to be one and two I, at this point. I'm, but yeah. I'm only surprised because I follow college football enough to know that Utah's a good team. The average fan thinks Utah sucks. They've never done anything since they've joined the Pac-12. But on they, September nineteenth, when we record a show, which will be my birthday, by the way. But on September nineteenth, when we record a show, and they just lost to Stanford, and that means they'll be one and two. 
They might still be favored against Utah or might be an even. But what we would be saying is we will all be sitting here going, well, there's no way they're going to beat Utah. The season's shot. And Adam is saying they're going to beat Utah, and that'll be the surprise. You think that when when USC loses to Alabama and Stanford that everybody's going to go, there's no way they'll beat Utah. I don't think so at all. Some people are going to think that. Yeah, they are. I mean, not every single person. Don't be so black and white about it. But if they were to get blown out by Alabama and then get beat by Stanford and Utah, I don't even know who they're playing early on. Southern, but maybe they're here's their, their first, well, they will be 3-0. Their first three games are Southern Utah, BYU, and at San Jose State. Okay, so let's say they're 3-0 and at that point, and people kind of look at that and just figure, man, USC's been beat up already. Now they're going at Utah with their first-year coach, who at that point would be 500. He'd be 6-6. Six six. Yep. I think it's a game that a lot of people could envision them losing, and I'm saying that it would be a good surprise that will be my game. I see your I'm logic. I do see it. your logic. Yeah, I, it's a, a guess in June. It's not that unreasonable. I see your logic. I just don't think you could say, hey, it will most surprise its fans if USC beats Utah, even if they are 1-2 and, and Utah's No, three. no, no. It's not it's most surprised. That, that's not the question. That will most surprise it's, it's its fans. It's saying, what, what game do I predict them to win? I'm not predicting them to beat Oregon or to beat Stanford or to beat Alabama. All those games that they were to win would be more surprising, but I'm not predicting them right now. Exactly. So it's. So I'm picking Utah. Okay, if you didn't pick Utah, you'd say none, right? No. I think that there are other games. I think uh, Notre Dame. Um, especially if Notre Dame is a top ten team, like they might be. You would put Notre Dame, but you would. If you were predicting USC to beat Notre Dame, you would make that a more surprising win than Utah, right? No, because I think USC will be playing better football by then. I'm looking at the whole context. I feel like in November they're going to be a better team. And so the way that they're playing, even if Notre Dame is a really good team, I could see it being maybe a a more welcoming matchup by that point in the year. Um, I think UCLA is going to be a really hard game. I know a lot of people on their board think that that's an automatic win for USC. It's never an automatic win at the Rose Bowl for them. So that could be another game that could be a pretty big surprise depending on how things shake shape out between now and late November. I think the schedule is really hard. We've talked I about agree. it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, right. So to me, there are a lot of surprises that are on the board. I but, think reviewing fans is us. As, as I think when I think college, like USC fan, average football fan goes to the game and goes, "Oh, that's Utah. We should win. Oh, that's Colorado. We should win. Oh, that's that's Oregon. Well, we get more talent than them, so we should beat them if our coach." The, the, the fans aren't all one thing. You know, I mean, there are fans that I'm so, um, but are, are on our message board. Very knowledgeable. No, I know. Yeah. They're very knowledgeable. And, and they're, they're fans that you know that's turn it on on Saturday and they turn it off and they're done with it until the, the following week. Yeah, it's a small they, they, They're not all in one category. They don't all have the same expectations and viewpoint. Well, and so my feeling was the Utah game would be a, a surprise 
to a number of fans. It's to the knowledgeable fans that make up a very small percentage of the fan base. I agree with you. All right, well, then check this out. The one game that I've been looking at, and I know that everybody might say it was off the wall, to me it would be surprising uh, if they beat Stanford. And, and the way I've been setting this defense up and been thinking about it, and what we talked about the previous question with Stevie T there, and then having Rasheen Green move out to a three technique, having my man Noah Jefferson being there at five technique, Jacob Daniel rotating there. I believe that with Osa Messina and Cam Smith, even some of the guys that got backing those guys up, this may be the time to stop the run. You know, I think that Kevin Hogan was such a good quarterback and that nobody really gave him any credit for being such in the way he could manufacture first downs with his legs. They used to actually run designer run plays with him and they dominate with the run game. They're going to use the run to open up the pass. Suppose that USC's new defense and a new defensive scheme with a guy like Stevie T on it. Suppose it's just hard to run on, run on those guys. Is it far-fetched to say that Stanford may struggle throwing the ball with this new quarterback? I'm not exactly sure. Um, we're not sure how good he's going to be. You know, we, we suspect they're going to be good because they just understand how to play and, they, and how to coach up their quarterbacks. That could be the game that I think that would surprise most if they want it. And I think it's a game yeah. that I'm that, um, – Close to picking them to win, but like you said before, it's Beautiful. June. It's June, so Beautiful. how will we know? But just from a schematic standpoint, uh, if they can stop that run, stop Christian McCaffrey and those boys, it's on. So Adam thinks USC's fan base will be most surprised when they beat a former Mountain West team, and Murph is picking USC to beat Stanford. My answer is crazy, yeah. everybody. My answer is crazy. Stop saying don't, don't don't listen to me. Get out of here, man. Don't listen to me, guys. I'm crazy. Everybody else I don't, is. I don't think you are understanding the question, unfortunately. I don't think you guys understand the question. I'm saying there's no team that will surprise the fans if they beat them unless they happen to beat Alabama. I won't yeah, pick them to beat have, Alabama. That's what I'm saying. Then you would so have there. to pick Yeah, the so there's no team. No one. There's that's two. my answer. But, Wait, but you think you think the majority of the fans think that they're going to go eleven and one? No, I just don't think that if they. That's beat what you're them, saying. You're no, saying that only Alabama would be a surprise. Yeah, it's the only one that would be a surprise. It's the only right. One meaning be, they yeah. expect to win all eleven other they don't games. Don't expect to win all according to you. No, but going in each week, they'll probably say, "Oh, we should win this game." Even if you don't, I'm sure there are fans that are looking at the schedule. I know there was fans on our message board said, "Yeah, I think eleven and one next year." Because going into every yeah, because going into every game, they're going to look at the team and say we're more talented than that. We were ranked number six in the rivals' recruiting ranking, and they were ranked fifteenth. And blah blah blah. I'm just telling you, this is the average fan. Okay, they're not going to be surprised by anyone. They can beat anybody on that schedule outside of Alabama. That's it. Then you got to pick them. You got to pick them. So there's two parts. I don't parts think they'll beat Alabama. So then you no, say none. You have to say none. None. That was my answer. None. None. There you go. <laughs> All right. Can we move yeah, on? Murph, I'll point out you didn't pick them to beat Stanford, but you picked Stanford for this answer. I'll just point that out too. But I guess we could move on. I'm tentatively leaning towards yeah. Stanford. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Right, I'm doing the same with Utah. I'm not saying they're going to beat Alabama. No way. But it's June. That's what I'm saying. Suppose when we get we get everything together, everybody's on campus, and I and I get to see what people are talking about. Uh, with all the new recruits and everything's formulated, then we can really make a, a educated guess. But it's June, man. No, I agree with that. I agree. It's early. When we get to it, September, still, I might expect them to beat Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the opener. But after they play Alabama, 
I can recalibrate the whole thing, and I can expect them maybe to beat Stanford, Utah, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, Arizona. I mean, every every real game on that schedule will change. Yes, the way that we, the way we look at it will change. Yeah, but right now going into it, I think they might be one and two. And therefore, I'm picking Utah because it's the next game where people are might have jumped off the bandwagon and thinking that they're going to have a really bad year. And I actually think they're going to start out a little bit rough because of the schedule, but that they're going to be playing good football by late October and November. I think if they were 0-3 and Utah was 3-0, and most of the fans would still think they'll beat Utah. That's just okay. my opinion. Whatever. Meanwhile... Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, do you want to even t- talk about the recruit part of David Wall's question? <laughs> oh, did, was there another part? Yes. Mm-hmm. And oh. who is the recruit who will sign with SC that will be the most pleasant surprise for us? Wyatt Davis. <laughs> same, same thing. June. No, it's the, it's this. Yeah, it is. It's the same answer. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? No one. We all we all expect them all to come. I, there'll be some out state guy that comes. So, I don't know. I mean, most pleasant, I guess, that they sign. I don't know. Stephen Carr, I think, would be pleasant if they held on to him. I, it's not a surprise. I don't know. So, I'll get some out-of-state guy. It's looking. There's plenty at the Rising Stars camp this past week that they could jump on. Wait and see. Like Leatherwood, man. Yeah, like Leatherwood. Okay. Well, thank you, David Wall, for stirring these up, as always. We appreciate it. Two of the herd, and this guy, and I do say two of the herd, because I was given crap on the boards last week that I didn't say his name right. So Chris Swanson, I, he even referenced a whale's vagina or something. But two of the herd, tell me what I'm saying wrong when I look at this. It's T.W. of the herd. He just capitalized the O of, of. Ah, That's not his part. I I mean, that's it was, not, it's not Morales' fault. He messed up with no. it. <laughs> well, you, you did put two O's in there. I mean, it should be 2F the herd, if you want to read it. Yeah, that's, I read it that way, too. It's 2F the herd, if you're reading it the way it's supposed to be. Oh, boy. Yeah. He's not going to be happy. There's going to be whale okay. vagina talk again. Okay, anyway, 2 of the herd, or TWO of the herd, or whatever it is. Chris, can you comment? TW of the herd. TW of the herd. Chris, can you comment on the impact that BKU is having on the recruiting trail? There seems to be a common theme with recruits that he really relates well with the recruits. So there you go. Does he relate well? Yeah, he does. Um, you know, I think that, as we mentioned before, USC's being more aggressive. Um, definitely trying to get defensive line guys. So we see Ikenenshu Desi all over the country offering guys, you know, getting to know these kids. Um, he's a younger guy. He went through USC, did the NFL dream, you know, did three years and then jumped to the league, made a lot of money. So I think that it's easy to relate to him. He's closer to your age if you're a prospect. He went through it at SC. I think he is having a big impact. We'll see because he still has to sign guys. I think there will be questions about his experience and all that kind of stuff going forward. But I, I think he's having a big impact uh, on these guys. I hear it all the time. There's a lot of prospects that talk about him. Uh, we just have to see if it pans out on signing day and signing days going forward. Yeah, I, I want to comment too. He checks a lot of boxes, I think, for the average recruit. His profile, he was a defensive lineman, a very, very good one, played at USC, first-round draft pick, All-American, part of the Wild Bunch too. very charismatic, still very young. I think all those things 
immediately make him pretty magnetic. I mean, I concur. I mean, if I'm able to rehash exactly what I said in the practice podcast, and if Adam doesn't get mad, <laughs> I said it because it's the relate- relatability factor. I mean, there's nothing like a young guy that you've seen play ball. You know, we play with the Vikings and everything like that, and he happens to be a man of color just like yourself. Um, not everybody, of course, is going <laughs> to – he's going to be recruiting, he's going to be of color, but – like the guys that do see that, it's just a simple way that you can relate to that man. He's gonna talk like how you talk, you know. I I, I mentioned it to myself or likened it to myself with me being out there talking to these recruits. Um, when I get a chance to go to these games and everything like that, it's like they start to telling me stuff, and I'm just like, man, why is this? Why is this kid telling me this stuff? It's just the fact that maybe I remind them of their uncle or cousin or somebody like that or their best friend. We're talking the same and everything like that. It's just a relatability factor. You can never gloss over that. And you see, I, th- I think that's what makes T. Martin one of the top five recruiters in the nation and a lot of these other guys. So even beyond that, when I think about a guy like Lane Kiffin and some of the guys that I talk to have been recruited by him, and he's just cool. You know what I'm saying? is something for being cool. I've been pretty sure Pete Carroll had that same effect, being cool, being relatable, and checking off all those boxes like Adam and, um, and Swanson said. I mean, it makes him a, a good fit, you know, and there's nothing like recruiting. You want to win with the Jimmys and Joes, man, and you're going to have to have that talent like you had back in the day, and I think this guy's going to help him get there. Well, Thank are we going to erase that? No. T.W.O. of the Herd. What is it, Chris? T.W. of the Herd. T.W. of the Herd. Thanks. It, looks like, it looks like two F the herd to me. I'm just gonna say two of the herd. I don't really care about this guy. Hopefully he does. He stops subscribing just to stick oh, it wow. to Swanson and his bad answer. Oh no! Erase that. I actually, I actually know him. Oh, so, do you? Yeah. You guys know all these people. It's very odd, but that's. Okay. I, know, I know some of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Two of the herd. Two F the herd. Is a good guy. So oh, is he? We're, we're having fun with you. Yeah. Okay. Does he think Alabama's going to beat USC 42-7 like I do? No. Okay. Smile one. Are there any elite DL recruits? God, we love talking about the DL today. That we honestly have a good shot at. By good shot, I mean we are in their top three. Yes. This is the class that's going to pay off for USC along the defensive line. Kind of reminds me of the class they had recently where they got, you know, Kevin Scott and all those guys, Jacob Daniel, you know, all those dudes along the defensive line. It's the same kind of thing. I think USC has a good shot with a lot of guys. There's guys locally, too. Uh, you know, there's a Terrence Lang, who's at the Rising Stars camp. Uh, Greg Rogers, uh, Jay Tefili, uh, there's there's so there's just so many names. Um, you know, in California, in the states surrounding California, I think they have a good shot at. Uh, Out-of-state, too, as we saw with the Rising Stars camp, they brought in a lot of guys from out-of-state as well that are even committed to other schools. They're going to put together a really nasty defensive line class this year. Uh, without question. Thank you. Smile one. Smile for my friends who cry later, as someone once said. Thanks for the question. Marty S.C. Psyker, old friend. Sorry to hear about Adam, but here are my questions to the rest of the crew. Adam's here. I'm back. And he's the Aspen. I, I first, recovered from the proctology yes. appointment. First, to show you how long ago this was, the first part of his question isn't even relevant anymore. So first, just move S- on to number two. If SC goes ahead and offers Chase Garbers at the quarterback position and he jumps on it, does that pretty much end our recruitment of Tua and Jack Sears? Second, what do you think SC's chances are with the son of the Bruin legacy, Carnell Lakes? Would this young man seriously consider leaving the dark side and becoming a Trojan? 
Yeah, so as I mentioned, the first part of the question isn't relevant anymore. Chase Garvey's committed to Cal. That's not your fault, Marty. You're up on it. You're paying attention. That's our fault. We put this up last weekend, so our bad. Um, as for uh, Carnell Lakes' son, Quinn Lakes, I think that USC has a great chance with him. They offered him before UCLA did. They're the big football school locally. I think that any time USC offers a local kid, it's going to be a big deal. I've seen UCLA legacies lead their kids to USC before Wendell Tyler, the former UCLA star, told Mark to go to USC. There was the football school, and he would have gone if he could have. Carnell Lakes, I know, is a big-time NFL guy, played for the Steelers. I know he understands football. I'm sure that, you know, there's a good chance he might push his son to USC just because it might benefit his football career more. Now, things have changed a little bit since Mark Tyler went to USC. Back then, UCLA was in the toilet. USC had Pete Carroll, and they were winning constantly. It's a little bit different. UCLA has a good staff, so maybe that'll change things. But I think uh, I think you could see a similar situation happening, and USC did offer Lakes before UCLA did. And Carnell Lake was pretty good, too. Yeah, he's a stud. He's Heck a stud. yeah. yeah. Carnell Lake. Sorry. There we go. I'm reading. Only, I'm reading. I know. Yes, it was singular, though. Yeah, my bad. Thank you, Marty SC. Showtime SC. With a stable of linebackers, running a 5-2-D will force some linebackers to sit. Which ones will start? How will we use our four tailbacks next year? Are we still a run-first O with Tyson Helen calling plays with T? Or just T? With Jack Jack on board, do we see more AJ on offense and special teams? Adam well, Murph, enjoy. <laughs> but I ran with this before in a couple of pieces, yeah. and I was talking about, uh, of course, Cam Smith. is If he's healthy, you know he's got to start. I think he does really well at the strong side inside linebacker position. Uh, he understands physicality. He knows how to disengage from blocks. It may not be his particular strong point. I think he's very good in shallow zone coverage as well. He's a player, no doubt about that. So it will become whoever plays the weak side inside linebacker. And my vote always was going to go to Olsen Messina until I'm shown otherwise because it's, come on, man, six foot four, 250-pound guy like that who can hit like that, who can run from sideline to sideline. Man, you just got to think, man, this kid has the chance to have the most, to me, the most impact on the entire defense, you know, especially the way this defense is set up, like I said before. So to me, that would put guys like Michael Hutchins, Elijah Tucker, uh, Quentin Powell and those guys. Um, if I did see somebody start over Osama Messina, it would have to be Tucker just from the simple fact that he has a lot of playing experience. And um, I think he's a pretty good player. He can fly around the ball. So um, I don't know. I have, a, I have a tough time seeing anybody start over Osama Messina, man. That's that's just me. Yeah, I, I would go with him right now. There's going to be a competition in fall camp. So you can maybe call him the slight favorite. Um, even though maybe we view him as the the best option at this point, but it's not in pen for sure. And I think um, in addition to that, on the outside, Yuchenin Nwosu would be the clubhouse leader right now, um, a, a bigger favorite than than Masina to start to start at a at strong side linebacker, but... Oh, wait, we, we were talking about not, line of... Hey, Adam, we are talking about line of scrimmage players? I thought we were talking about the off-the-ball Yeah, I, I was going to do the whole the whole seven. I thought we were doing that. Oh, you mean not the whole seven? He said linebackers, right? Yeah, Which linebackers okay, like, I just read that. You're right. I mean, he's got 5-2. The, the outside, we, we, should, we should still probably do the outside then. 
Maybe not oh, I thought, thought that's set in stone, man. I would have to think Nuoso and Gustin. They, they got that on on down lock. To me, yeah. the only the only spot that will be up for grabs will be the weak side inside linebacker, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard Let's to say that teeth. because <laughs> well, because Clancy just got there, and they had so many people out for spring that. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit more competition in training camp everywhere. Well, there is. Well, if there's more competition, then I would like to nominate Jabari Ruffin to play that strong side outside linebacker opposite Port Augusta. Yeah, and, and why not, right? I mean, that, that's my point. I think that there are people that are in the mix that um, that where Yuchen is not a lock. He's a, the favorite for sure. But um, we, we don't know that Yuchen will start that opener. And we definitely don't know about Muscina. Well, then, well, then what, what is your pick? I, I'm picking those guys. I'm just saying that there's competition there. Yeah. Okay. He, he's asking who will start. We, I can't tell you that. Discombobulation. But uh, I think we got that straight. Are we good there? Are we? There's there still more to clean up on that question? or? I don't think they answered it. Oh, okay. Well, there's like Chris Watson somehow now in the basement. I don't know where he went, but <laughs> how, did, how did we answer the question? You said who? It, the question was who's likely to sit. There's three more no, questions. Said, which one will start? Oh, which ones will start? Yeah. There you go. Messina, Cam Smith at the off the ball linebackers, Porter, mm-hmm. Gustin, and New also. I mean, that's who I'm thinking is going to start. Yeah, that's cool. Like I'm projecting. I would, like Ruffin. I would like to see Ruffin start though. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that they haven't determined who will start, but that's who we would pick right now. And Swanson's still going to say we didn't answer it, though. That's three more. That's, I was just telling Chris Morales there's more to go. Oh. Yeah, so how are they going to use the four tailbacks next year? Uh, Tommy Robinson, I, I posed that question to him, and he insisted that he'll rotate that he rotated the other time when he was at USC with five, and uh, he'll rotate with what they got now. I don't know if if they have four, if they have five, because I don't really count Dominic Davis as a running back. They really haven't used him that way, but they do categorize him as a running back. And then the four that I think were being referred to were where – Rojo Davis and Vive Malapai. So if we're not counting Dominic, then they have those four. They probably wouldn't redshirt the freshman Malapai, which I'm probably mispronouncing. We we have to learn that pronunciation. But um, I'm not sold on the fact that they're going to use more than two most of the time. I my hunch is that they're going to ride Justin and Rojo, and then Ware will give them a breather. I don't know that he'll actually get eight to twelve carries a game. I don't think it'll be that kind of stable. I think it'll be more fifteen to twenty for the top two, and then the leftovers for Ware, and then maybe beyond that, Malapai. I also want to point out that while Tommy Robinson rotated the last time he was at USC, all their running backs got injured, so they all played. It was kind of it's kind of hard to see if that's really his yeah. philosophy because he was kind of forced to do it. Right, Justin got hurt, Madden got hurt. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, listen, uh, well, listen, hopefully none of these guys get hurt. So we're talking about in a vacuum. And to me, you have right. to rotate two players. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. These guys are too talented to come off the field, in my opinion. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, to, to be uh, third fiddle. If you're going to say that, first of all, we know that SC is still a throwing team. I don't care what anyone says. You have that particular receiver out there and the receivers you have with him. Like I said before, a guy like Darius Rogers, man, if he was on any other team, to me, he would be a star. And it's real deep there. And you got some tight ends that can catch the ball. It's real appealing to throw the ball. So how many carries are you talking about? If we're talking about 20 to 25 carries, you would think somebody like Davis would need 15 carries to really get it cracking. And um, Rojo, he doesn't need that many carries, but... Do you want to take carries from one of those guys and, and give it to someone else? These guys are too talented, man. And if SC actually becomes a run team and, and starts to force the ball down people's throats with that big offensive line, come on, man. It's curtains. To me, That that's to me the scheme is what's holding it back. So I would feed the ball to those two guys and not worry about rotating tailbacks like that, man. And I've come, think about it, I come from a school that I covered in Alabama the where they were used to rotating and, man, even they had to kind of call off the dogs when they rolled with Derrick Henry last year. He got the most carries I've seen anybody get, and it worked out. You know what I mean? So you don't necessarily have to rotate like that, but if you are, man, make sure you get those two guys those carries. We have to find out whether they are a run first team or not. Publicly, they've pronounced that they are. I, I, I realize that you're skeptical of that, and they really didn't commit to one or the other in the time that Helton took over. Um, they ran they ran more at certain points in the game, but um, really later in the game, they, they didn't run a lot early in games, even though they were running the ball better than they had um, when Stark was a coach. And so I don't think we know yet. And T. Martin is a brand-new offensive coordinator. Um, they can kind of be whoever they want to be, and they can maybe change from game to game. So... It is hard to project with running backs because you don't know if they're going to play more than two and you don't know how much they're actually going to run the ball. Well, tell I me think this. the favorite you, thing is to bet on Rojo and Davis being Well, Adam, Adam you said that he's the yeah. offensive coordinator, right? Then yeah. is he really the offensive coordinator? Because if, to me, if Tyson Helton is calling the plays, and he's super pass happy, you know, from having to study his – he was pro- – he was possibly projected to be the Georgia offensive coordinator, so I had to do a lot of studying on him. And, man, he's, he's straight pass happy. And I think that for USC to get back, to me, it would be the influence of someone like T. Martin. He understands running the ball. When he won the national right. championship at Tennessee, they were a run-first team. And they had some great running backs, too, by the way. Um, so who is the offensive coordinator? Because it doesn't seem yeah. like T. Martin is that. A lot of people have asked that. And it's a legitimate question. Tyson is not going to be calling the plays as far as we understand. I think he's been more involved in designing the offense. I think that T will be calling it. Okay. Well, this was Showtime yeah. SC, I think he said that Tyson Helton was calling the plays, was he? Yeah, he did. He said, are we still run first? Oh, with Tyson Helton calling plays with T. Oh, he's trying to say that they're both calling plays? Right. I think, yeah. Which uh, Clay said that you know they'll be that they're working together, but um, he is planning to be up in the, in the box and calling the plays. I like that man. So hopefully he dials up a ton of run plays as he gets back to stopping the run and running the ball. Let's go. Beautiful. Now, now are we done? No. Oh no. Good job, Chris Morales. Good hosting. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, after okay. two hours of recording, I would think we would be done, but I guess not. All right. Um, the question was, with uh, Jack Jones on board, will Dory play more often for special teams? And they haven't been on the field together at the same point. You know, I, Jack Jones isn't even officially at USC yet. He's been involved in a few of the summer workouts. Adore has not been there because of track. We can't tell you that. They've said that Adore is a cornerback first and that he'll always have a package on offense. But sure, maybe if Jack Jones shows that he's ready to play right away, they feel more comfortable giving more to Adore on offense. I don't think that it's going to play out that way. I think that they view Adori as their top, maybe their top defensive player overall, if not the top defensive back, and Biggie Marshall number two, and Jack Jones has to probably prove that he can be a, you know, a complimentary cornerback. I don't think that he'll take over. Um, I mean, even last year they could have done this with Kevon and Biggie and Adori and really put the, the stress on Kevon and Biggie and put Adori on offense more. It didn't happen. So I don't think it'll happen now. Joyous. Uh, thank you, Showtime SC. Trojan Fan 68, happy Father's Day. Well, you're about a week late, Trojan Fan 68. Hi, everybody. No, we are. Yeah, actually. exactly. Drew fight on, then respond. Thank you. Wait, you're back. We were hoping Trojan Fan 68 was going to be locked away at whatever fort he was, or maybe, you know, given a. He said he was going to take a break, but then he appeared. So that just tells you. He's his, never gone. Haven't you ever watched What About Bob? No. <laughs> no? Yeah. Uh, okay, I, cool. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Cock a doodle doo, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Well, Nick, thanks for the. Uh, Father's Day wish. Guy Smith son. Possible rotation at DL, assuming the new transfers are good and how that could affect the linebacker rotation since we could have a full deck at defensive line. I believe we already answered this question, to be honest with you, like both parts of it too. Chris Watson, you since you're judge and jury on how we answer the questions, sure. your thoughts. I, I agree. Okay. I agree with Murph. Let's get to some fast food questions. Mike already. Singer, the one and only, Mr. 305. Have you eaten checkers and rallies yet? If so, how was it? If not, why haven't you? Well, first of all, why is Mike Singer Mr. 305? He lives in, like, Jacksonville <laughs> something like that. He doesn't even live in Miami. Because no, Nick, Cy- Nick from Cyprus wears a bicycle helmet most days. That's why. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, somehow he got, because he was in Miami covering some tournament or something, right? And that's no, how he you got labeled. You know he lives great. in like Central Florida, I believe. Like, but I think there was yeah. something why we had him on specifically covering something, and that's how he was labeled Mr. 305. I just want to point out that the last show got cut because I made like a Mike Farrell, Adam Gornier lovers joke or something, and Adam didn't like it. But this show will have jokes about people where it's way inappropriate. To yeah, make but those aren't actual like rivals' employees. That was the whole difference. Oh, is that the difference? Yes. Okay. Yes. I get it. And, and Trojan Fan 68, Nick knows we're joking around and he likes it. So. All right. Set me up for a Mike Farrell joke at some point, though. I got to slide with it. Okay. No? Okay. No. Never mind. I haven't eaten at Checkers or Rallies yet to answer Mike Singer's question. No, don't. Don't. The, the burger, the burger tastes like sweat. Oh, you get <laughs> out of here, Adam! You're insane. Singer, 
Singer swears that it's amazing. He's, he loves no. checkers. Ra- I've never been to checkers, but rally. I know well, that's the same thing. Like the same company. Same. Yeah, but the same. Yeah. Maybe in a different part of the country, they do a better job. I've been to rallies in L.A., awful, but they have wonderful <laughs> fries. I go there just to get fries, and I'm out. Which one did you go to? Just because we pulled Glendale. it up on the map the last time, and there were a bunch of locations in the... Uh... Glendale. Okay, in the Glendale one. All right, well, there's a bunch yeah. of South I mean, Bay ones. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the burger isn't going to be sweaty in the Bay. No, man, them checkers, they're just actually called, like, checkers burgers. <laughs> it's that generic. They are awesome. You know what I mean? Get them without onions or whatever. Like, they got to chop the onions up. But, man, the burgers are awesome. The But to me, it's, it's about the hot dogs there. And um, their chili dogs is off the chain, man. Onion and chili dogs. Uh, they have a variety of dogs. I don't know, man. I think Checkers is one of the most underrated places out there, period, point blank. But to me, to be honest with you, they're few and far between now, man. A lot of them are going out of business, so you can't even catch them around here. Maybe because they taste like sweat, as Adam points out. Man, Adam's hate. (laughs) hate This stuff is off the chain. And the shakes, man. Don't forget about the shakes. And the the ambiance, man. Just sitting there outside like that, man. They were always reminded of some California type stuff. It's the only place like it. Except for Sonic. You're going to a whole different thing than than I've been to. I mean, when you're in L.A., We'll drive through Glendale. We'll go through the check the the rallies drive through. We're not ordering that sweaty burger. They don't have an <laughs> outside. The rallies in Glendale is an outside like that. Yeah, no. you can't even eat in. There's no restaurant. Oh, I was gonna oh, say the one in no, it's Long Beach. Out, it's outside. It's like you you just sit outside. It's like no, you can't sit. Go inside. You order at the um at the window. Like uh, you walk yeah. up. Order at the yeah. It reminds us of some Cali stuff. And you're mystified by that. Man, we're in Georgia. We don't have anything like that. It's the only thing of its kind. Only you got only Papa Joe. Papa Joe? No, I'm just talking about from a fast food standpoint. You can't compare those two. Yeah, Papa Joe's not, not fast food, is it? No. no, no, I know, but you got stuff. Like I would yeah, never yeah, go yeah. there. I would if I live in Georgia. I would never go to. Always go to Papa Joe. You got steak and shake. Yeah, we got steak and shake. They yeah. don't have bongo. Chick Fil A. You're the home of Chick Fil A. You are the home of Chick Fil A. Yeah, but Murph hey, doesn't like their their stance huh? on certain things. So. No, I love Chick Fil A, and I love cat. <laughs> I got that. Uh, okay, two of the herd was back. He jumped back in and said, "Got to admit, Rowley's fries are freaking awesome." And then Mike Singer responded, yeah. "They're amazing." And with that, that does the message board segment for this show. But so we have all established that Murph Baldwin has many fast food options, but he likes Rowley's or Checkers. For some reason, no. I mean, I like it, but I can't even remember the last time I ate there because it's they're few and far between. Oh well, that's a good argument then, Murph. Well, they, and Adam says the burgers Sonic, taste like sweat. The new Sonics has taken over. Ever since Sonic got hot, Checkers went out of business. Really, around here. Well, weren't they buying up Checkers? Weren't they specifically buying up those locations because of how they were built? I'm just thinking outside the box because of how then Sonic is built. No, 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 no. Okay. They never play. I never seen a place. I've never been to either. So I and I, oh. I am one that has been to a lot of fast food in my life, but I have never had any of those. So yeah, White Castle. Uh, no. Yeah, I had the frozen ones once, but never actually at a White Castle. All right, man. Wrap up the show, baby. It's time to go. Make some hot pockets. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If this was your second time listening this week. You can compare and see how we did the first time compared to this, if we answer the same way. But we appreciate everyone's support at TrojanSports.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Search us out, TrojanSports.com. We're on Podcast Arena, Audio Boom. Go to the other tab, Trojan Sports Podcast. And we will see you next week at some point. Murph Baldwin, Adam I, Chris Swanson. I'm Chris Morales. Have a great weekend, folks. Aloha.
Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not the ass man. I think there's been a mistake. What's your name again? Cosmo Kramer. Cosmo Kramer. You are the ass man. The name on the boat. Look at it. Ass man. Yeah, he's the ass man. Jerry, he's the ass man. So, you're the ass man. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Trojansports.com podcast. Talk to you later. He is the Why one that, that sort of whips us, so to speak, back into shape. It, and I like a good whip once in a while. motherly touch, so yeah. we missed that, and we probably got off topic. And- hey, I could use some GOI surgery. I have a lot to say about seafood, let me tell you. So you go first. Well, uh, the wood, as they say, so... Hey, Ryan Reynolds, what are you doing at Cleveland's house? Well, believe it or not, they've decided to shoot my movie in Quahog instead of Newport. I'm playing Hitler, but he's a young Hitler, and he's got a rockin' body. It's called Hotler. Ha! There's only one man in this entire city capable of defrosting Mr. Freeze. Adios. Or... What do you eat there? <laughs> okay, <laughs> how's it prepared? I like trainees in San Pedro. You like what uh, now? <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> trainees. Trainees. <laughs> She's naughty. Manzanita? Well, then he could play quarterback, too, because I'm sure you like touching, you know, a little, getting a little taint action, too. Wow! I'm an orange vein kind of guy. Oh, yeah. I'm cool with Puffy. Think so. Enjoy that hot dog, man. That's awesome. I never passed up a good hot dog, boys. (laughs) No, we had a problem. I mean, uh, we tried to do everything we could. What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. He's gone. And we couldn't do nothing about it. Cut this part out. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't want to move on until I knew we were done. I like to grill my hot dog. Oh, yeah. Galito! Cobra! Attack! Yeah, it Damn says it. we released a <laughs> shot. Did I say it was coming or did I say yeah, it was there? You said it was coming. Well, you guys could have jumped in and said, I think it's there. That would have been funnier. I just did that. Yeah. Three, two, one. This is all staying in. He's gone. And we couldn't do nothing about it. I feel so touched. Blessed. Yes. Hashtag blessed. Haven't you ever seen my naughty late night party line commercials? Hey, are you lonely? Do you like to party with hot girls? What about horsing around with fat guy? I'm an orange vein kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ashman!